Hello, and thank you for listening to Ask the Pastors. This is a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers to your questions from our pastoral staff here at West Hills Church. I'm your host, Brian Wells, and I'm the pastor of worship and creative arts, and I'm joined by our lead pastor, Will Duvall, and our pastor of youth and connections, Thad Yessa. Hey, everyone. And I'm excited to dive into our question this week that comes to us from an anonymous congregant. The question is, why doesn't West Hills use the King James Version 1611? And we thought this would be a great opportunity to broaden this question to uh, what, what's the best translation of the Bible to read from? So we'll start there. Pastor Will, let me start, with the, start us off. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Let's start there. Like you said, let's start with the, the, maybe the broader question um, and just do a little bit of background on different approaches to Bible translation. It's a great question, by the way. So uh, thank you for whoever um, asked that. Uh, and then we'll make sure along the way that we, uh, that we tackle that specific question about the, the King James. So um, there's really, I, I would say, kind of three maybe big camps that we, we group Bible translations into. One you might call transliteration that uh, is more of a word-for-word uh, translation of the original Hebrew and Greek text. The second would be uh, more of, maybe just call it a translation, that's more of a maybe sentence-by-sentence, verse-by-verse translation. So maybe starting with that word-for-word transliteration and then trying to take, okay, what is the real idea that's being conveyed by the author here? And let's put that into modern English and concepts and analogies and whatever that the the modern-day reader can understand. And then the last one would be what we might call more paraphrastic, like paraphrasing. Um, (laughs) The way J.D. Greer joked about like the message is, um, you know, I imagine somebody read the original text and then went out for a cup of coffee and came back an hour later and was like, what do I remember of the text? Just like really (laughs) summarizing it, putting it in my own words kind of thing. Just a lot more sort of human intervention and, um, and digestion of the original text. And so the question really becomes um, how, how do you best balance, if you're looking for, again, if the question is simplistically, I mean, which is the best translation? I mean, my, my take on that question would be some of it really does uh, depend on the reader and um, depend on, frankly, the, the stage that you're at in you know, your spiritual walk, what you're listening for or looking for, what you're studying for. You know, if, if you're in seminary and you're studying uh, for, you know, the, the, the context of these specific um, words, then clearly you're, you're going to want something that's really tight to the original text. Um, you know, is there a place in our just kind of daily reading of God's Word and, and absorption for uh, paraphrastic, uh, very loose kind of translations with a lot of um, interpretive liberalities taken, um, liberties taken. Uh, I think so, but um, you know, I'm not going to use the message for my day in and day out, every day mm. sort of reading because I want something that's more 
close to the original text. I don't want, um, you know, Eugene Peterson, who did the message, great pastor, great, you know, but I don't want him maybe making some of those judgment calls for me about how I, you know, telling me basically in his translation of the passage how I ought to be interpreting it, the passage and impl- applying it to my own life. So, um, again, I, maybe that's one way to think of it is that the, the more you kind of grow and I even posted, uh, I think, on our, our church Facebook a while back, uh, just a few months back, about should Christians, should we be encouraging Christians to read uh, the text in the original Greek and Hebrew? And I think, you know, um, that even asking that question is maybe a way of kind of pushing us toward, hey, the more you're, you're growing in your spiritual maturity, the more you're able to challenge yourself and get toward what did the original authors and uh, who were directly inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this down, what, what did they mean by this? Um, let, me, let me get inside their minds and their hearts and their worldview and their time and their context. I think the more you can challenge yourself to do that, you know, probably the richer your Bible study is going to be. So Yes. So the best translation is the original text. The, need to learn the, the yeah. original languages. We'll get you a, a Greek New Testament and we can start. But in all seriousness, yeah. there, I think there's something to, to be said about the original language that even in asking that question, should we read in the original text? Maybe. Um, I think in my seminary training that I've had classes in Greek and Hebrew and it's been beneficial and helpful to me, but it's also not my day-to-day what I'm using when I'm reading my Bible in the morning or preparing for a sermon that I might reference it, but I'm also not sitting there all day translating text because I'm slow at it, Uh, but that doesn't mean it's not important. Um, I also... I think it's helpful just to recognize that we're richly blessed with many great translations that we can choose from. And I think some of that plays a factor in my own spiritual walk that I tend to lean towards kind of three different translations for whether it's personal reading or sermon preparation. And um, my daily reading uh, is in the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, and that's that's one of the newer ones that I became aware of just attending a conference that they were giving away free Bibles, and I was like, yeah, of course I'll take a free Bible, and uh, I really enjoy it. I think part of the reason I enjoy it is it kind of fits in that word-for-word and thought-for-thought kind of like in the middle of that where uh, it's not choppy to read in some ways in a literal word-for-word translation, but uh, it's also getting you to the main of it. So that's kind of been my my main devotional reading and studying, and it's been helpful because it was new to me, and so I saw scripture in some new ways by reading new words, um, but for... Uh, really serious Bible study and preparing for preaching and teaching. Um, I lean much more towards the ESV. Um, Partially, that is what we preach out of as a church. Uh, That fits really closely to word for word, um, that that's what the text means. And um, I think it's really helpful and important uh, a third one for me that 
more so in the Old Testament, I found particularly helpful is the NIV. Um, just the way it phrases some things makes it a little bit easier for me. But all of those have different kind of contexts in which I use them from, for, um, but all helpful. Um, no red flags of concern that, oh, no, one of our pastors reads from different versions of the Bible. And I think that is one of the, the benefits that we have today. Um of many great translations out there. Yeah, and I, that is a good point that I'm glad you made, Dad, and I think we should emphasize is, by and large, most of the English translations available to, you know, certainly any of our listeners um, and, and, and those at West Hills are going to be reliable. You know, you shouldn't lose sleep at night over, oh my gosh, am I going to accidentally buy the wrong Bible because it happened to be on sale and now I'm being led, you know, down this doctrinal heresy or something <laughs> like that. I mean, most of, uh, you know, the, the differences in translations even in, in the sense that's conveyed with the meaning of certain verses and whatever, you know, again, 99.9% of that amongst Eng- English translations is not going to be um, anything that we would call, you know, really substantive in terms of uh, theology and, and uh, core doctrines of the faith or anything like that. Um, it's it's going to be, you know, word order. It's going to be, you know, grammar. And again, mainly just how clumsy do you do you want the the grammar to be? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, sometimes again, there really can be a benefit, like you said, to. A more a more paraphrastic kind of translation, like an NIV, like the example I I, I, I talked about J.D. Greer. I listened to Greer and John Piper's. They both do Ask the Pastor podcast, and I listened to their version of this question hmm. in preparation. And you know, Greer uh, gives the example of you know often in the in the in the Hebrew text in the Old Testament, you'll hear about someone uncovering his feet, and uh, that's a Hebrew euphemism for using the bathroom. And, uh, and so that's the kind of thing that like 99% of, of English readers today, if you had a very literal translation that said, you know, he uncovered his feet, then David, uh, you know, while, while Saul was uncovering his feet in the cave, he'd be like, what, what in the world's going on there? Um, oh, Saul's taking a, a whiz. So I think that those are the kinds of things where, you know, you can put that in the study notes, you know, and below mm-hmm. if you have a study Bible or something like that. Some translations are just going to help you out by putting that in the original text. But again, to come back to the point you made, Thad, by and large, those are the kinds of differences that we're talking about. We're not talking about um, major, major uh, differences. But I think part of the reason we chose this topic for this week, again, is kind of timely. Um, just last Sunday, we started our series in Ecclesiastes and basically spent half of that sermon uh, talking about unpacking, you know, one Hebrew word and, and uh, titled the sermon uh, with the Hebrew in the title intentionally and kept coming back to that word. And basically, you know, if I have sort of made the, the choice as we're going to walk through the next 10 to 12 weeks, whatever, in Ecclesiastes, of leaving that untranslated in the Hebrew because I, I spent a lot of time trying to get us in the English, you know, interpretation of that word. But I, I don't think there's a perfect uh, English translation of the Hebrew word hevel. And so it's got a couple different senses, connotations. It, it, it's evocative in the Hebrew. And so 
I want to purposely, you know, now that we've unpacked it, is, you know, it's vapor, it's smoke, it's breath, it's fickle, it's fleeting, it's, it's, it's all these things mm-hmm. to, to, to just leave that in the Hebrew. And again, that's, that's just one of those benefits of having those original, original languages that have some of those senses that we don't have. So, and, and another point I want to make, you know, I, I kind of mentioned those three camps, transliterative, translative and paraphrastic, but really it's more, it is a spectrum. Mm -hmm. You know, you could group translations and maybe it's helpful to think about that. Um, You know, if you want to think about what are the ones that are more close to the original text, I think that's where you are talking, like Thad said, ESV, uh, the the, the CSV, um, the King James, the New King James. more translative, you know, taking uh, taking a verse or an idea, or maybe uh, uh, something like, and, and doing an idea or a verse at a time. That would be more probably like NIV, um, New Living Translation. Maybe is even farther mm-hmm. toward the paraphrastic. Um, so so then yeah, the Message and New Living. Some of those are are more kind of maybe a paragraph at a time, uh, a whole section of text at a time. Um, and a lot of interpretive liberties taken. So there's there's a spectrum, and um, again, emphasizing that you know a lot of translations on that spectrum can be helpful. You know, one of the things that I would just from my personal, um, l- let me talk about three translations really quickly. Uh, from my personal experience, would would warn there are a couple translations that I think you should be care- we should be careful about. One of them being the translation that I read for all, pretty much all seven years of my deconstruction phase through college and seminary uh, was the NRSV. Uh, so the New Revised Standard Version is, is what's used in all the, the uh, academic, historical, critical, um, you know, kind of circles of we're picking this text apart for the sake of trying to find holes in it, basically. Um, and trying to, you know, it, it's, it's all, it was almost maybe, uh, it, it was um, the, the whole sort of camp of people, team of translators that are doing the NRSV are going to be the liberal academics, you know, probably a lot of them not even professing Christians mm-hmm. that uh, are, just, are just looking for reasons not to trust the Bible and to give you reasons not to trust it. And they also have you know, not so hidden agendas and biases, even in when it comes to things like gender inclusive language. So anytime you see in the Bible very clearly mankind, they're going to translate that as humankind. Uh, uh, or, or, you know, when Paul says, brothers, I commend you, it's going to be brothers and sisters. So again, you know, that's not necessarily a, a bad thing to include. I mean, I don't know that in all those cases, Paul was only wanting to talk to the men of the church. But again, by and large for us, we think it's going to be more beneficial to to get closer to uh, what the original authors, being inspired by God, were writing, rather mm-hmm. than what some 20th century scholar thinks mm-hmm. is sure. is more enlightened. So that would be one that I would warn against for for those reasons. Um, and and in some of those cases, you know, it will affect maybe things like doctrine. Uh, they're they're going to translate um, Genesis two as being different from Genesis one in terms of the order of creation. 
you know, if you read the ESV or the, the NIV or something like that, um, in Genesis 2, you're going to read, when God had formed the animals of, of the earth, then he paraded them in front of Adam to name them, to look for a suitable helpmate, whereas the NRSV is going to say, then God formed the, the animals. So there's actually a different order of creation. And so there's, you know, there's, again, some, some uh, choices being made there, I would say maybe cynically, to, to undermine your, your faith and your confidence in the scriptures. Um, so, so that's one. Let me, let me give my answer to the, uh, the, the specific question being asked here about why don't we use the King James Version? Because I do think the King James Version falls pretty squarely in that trying to be close to the original mm-hmm. text, which is a wonderful thing. And we certainly want to uh, recognize and respect the, the history there that for, you know, 400 plus years, the King James Version really was the gold standard for um, Bible translations into our English language. And so, you know, that's, praise God for that. Uh, at the same time, um, I think we've seen something of a renaissance in English Bible translation, probably in the last 50 to, to 70 years or whatever, where you've got a lot of other really good mm-hmm. translations out there. I mean, frankly, the New King James Version, just updating the, all the these and thys and the and the, but but still trying to respect that that history mm-hmm. and whatever of the King James Version. I, I'd be more likely to probably use the New King James Version, um, just because again, it's it's more it's more readable. If, mm-hmm. if if what we're trying to thread the needle is true to the original text but understandable, relatable in the common parlance of the current readers and congregants, then I think, you know, the King James Version is just, it's 400, it was, now it's 500 years, uh, almost, um, well, 400 plus, dated uh, uh, in, in its English language. And so it's just not as relatable um, is, is the simple, uh, I think, fact of the matter as, as some of the others. So... Um, for me, I I really don't have a, a huge dog in this fight as far as which one I I um, I use. I uh, if you asked me why do you use the ESV, why do we use it as a church, the honest, the really honest answer is because uh, West Hills was using the ESV before they hired me as a pastor, <laughs> and uh, I was advised by really. Uh, capable, um, effective leaders to, to change as little at the church as you can um, for the first three to five years of taking over as lead pastor. And uh, that that's probably the biggest reason. The second biggest is also just as unspiritual, which is um, it's, it's the translation that's still, I think, the most commonly used and accepted in, quote, our circles. So, I mean, everybody in, in Christendom has their sort of sandbox that they play in. Um, and so for, for us at West Hills, we're a reformed evangelical church. And so the other reformed evangelical, you know, uh, Southern Baptist, General Baptist like us, um, the, the, P, the more conservative PCA, EPC, Presbyterians, those types, the Gospel Coalition type of churches, those are, those are our people. And it's just, it's the translation that, that they use. Again, the, the Pipers and the Greers and the Kellers and and so if they're using it, uh, they're smarter than me. Um, I, I, I just, I know, uh, like Thad mentioned, the CSV, the, um, is that contemporary? Christian. Christian standard, standard Bible. Bible. A, Christian, I, a lot of, um, there's been a push toward that. 
and uh, so I've I've got a copy of it and started reading some in that. And um, you know, if if at a certain point in time there's a tipping point and more of the 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 TGC type churches that I I'm uh, uh, networked with, if they start using that, then I, I like I think there's safety in numbers and saying in the majority. So it's it's a pretty unspiritual answer. I, but again, I, I think. I think uh, the big thing to emphasize is that there's value in a lot of these different types mm-hmm. of translations and in reading different translations side by side at, at times. Um, you know, as we go through Ecclesiastes even, you know, read the whole thing in uh, maybe in the, the CSB this, this week. And then as we work our way through chapter to chapter on Sundays, maybe you're doing the ESV with us or something like that. Or, or I've got the ESV on the screen. You've got the CSB in front of you. So... Um, you know, you can kind of compare and, and, and see how that stacks up. So anyway, that's, I think, what, anything else you want to add to yeah, this? One? I, you know, I resonate with that question. Why don't we use the, the KJV? That's my upbringing that I mm. grew up in a tradition of using the King James uh, Bible and then the new King James. And so uh, a lot of... Was it like... KJV only, you're going to hell if you use anything else? Or was it like, we prefer this, but... Kind of somewhere in the middle. Like, we prefer this, but, like, you're only going to use this uh, very early on and then eventually church that. uh, New King James, and that's, yeah, what I have a lot of Scripture memorized in. And so, like, as I'm reciting Scripture, like, that's the language that, that comes to mind and I don't regret that that I have the scripture memorized it's just uh, it's become a little bit more difficult though as I've started reading um, really the ESV and the CSB more regularly that you know the language gets mixed up as I'm quoting scripture but um, I think I think what you said is really helpful that it might be a good encouragement to consider reading not your regular Bible translation, um, just for an opportunity to see if something else stands out to you that might draw your attention to a new phrasing or a new grouping of words, just to even help us in our Christian walks that we don't want to read the scriptures and grow stale towards that of like, I know what this says, but perhaps reading in a different translation would help against it seeming mundane. And Mm. Um, that's a terrible place to be of Bible reading seeming uh, mundane for us. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the NIV was the one I grew up in, I guess, mainly in kids. But I, th- I think even Allie uses more NIV because, again, it's more paraphrastic. It's going to give more of that interpretation to help your kids mm-hmm. when they're younger understand it better, hopefully. And so that's, yeah, that's when I did most of my scripture memory was in Awana <laughs> up through, you know, fifth grade. And so that's a lot of my, my memorization as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think what you said there, that is, is good and helpful. I, I don't think I have anything else on this. I, the only other thing I might add to it is maybe almost as, as important as your translation. Although I think the translation is super important because that's where you're talking about actually handling God's word mm-hmm. itself. I mean, the actual text above the line, like that's God's inspired word that you are putting into uh, 
a new language for people. Like I, if I was a Bible translator, I would like be very prayerful and, and feel the weight of that. You know, Mm -hmm. people are going to hear from God. They're going to hear from God through my words and the words I choose carefully about Mm -hmm. how to translate this. And you, you think about revelation 22 and not adding to or subtracting (laughs) from God's word, or you're going to go to hell like that. I would feel that. Um, but at the same time, I think, Maybe not just less important than that is finding a good study Bible, which Mm -hmm. is not this question. So maybe that's another ask the pastor for later. What's your favorite study Bible? And so that's kind of more the the notes under the the line, you know, Mm -hmm. those commentary type notes below the line that help you understand even better what you're Mm -hmm. reading in the translation. So we can get to that later. But I think that's an important one, too, because that's where people are going to be probably more more honest about their if they have, again, a, a bias or yeah, it's going to be different whether you mm-hmm. read someone who's a Baptist versus someone who's a Presbyterian who's, you know, they might both be Reformed and Evangelical, but, you know, when it comes to how they interpret passages on baptism or something like that. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the study, the study Bible that you have and getting a good study Bible, mm-hmm. man, especially if you're in a, a phase of your, well, I, I think any, any phase of growth, I mean, you know, uh, get a good study Bible and study from that because you should have questions. You shouldn't just be reading. We should always mm-hmm. be studying and meditating on God's Word. That's we want to really go deep. So that's, that's all I got. So for the listener who wants a definitive choice on a translation from us, could you guys maybe choose one for the listener who wants to uh, read the text that's faithful to the original translation? They want to know... God faithfully to the original translation. Is there is there one that you, each of you would recommend uh, translation-wise? I know we've talked about a number of translations, mm-hmm. but maybe just one each, and then we'll close up. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Christian Standard Bible um, because it's my daily reader right now, mm-hmm. so that's that's the one I'll, I'll give. I'll go with English Standard Version, ESV, with the ca- two caveats. One, for now, because like I said... <laughs> If there's a tipping point, I, I don't care that much. I'll, I'll, I'll read others. Um, and the other second caveat being if you do really want to go deep, or like as we're going through Ecclesiastes, for instance, just just Google for Hebrew interlinear Bible mm-hmm. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 for this next week. <laughs> and you should have that open with you while we're walking through the text together in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes because that way you'll be able to see the literal word-for-word Hebrew, and if you don't know Hebrew, that's fine because it's going to give you the word-for-word right above it, interlinear English, and it's going to look so clumsy and you're not going to be able to make sense. But you can you can wow. click mm-hmm. on it and it'll give you, you know, the three different definitions of this word and why we chose this one. So if you really want to go deep, man, do that. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a helpful, you don't have to know Hebrew or Greek to do that and to be able to study it side-by-side, uh, wow. side, Hebrew and, and, and English, Greek and English. And like I said, it's it's... You won't be able to like read it in sentence form, but it'll be that word for word. Uh, that's, that's really good. really good. So. One more time, what was the name of that? If you, I don't even. Uh, I think the one I I usually click on is BibleHub.com. But if you just Google for um, uh, Hebrew interlinear Bible, very cool. Uh, and then the the chapter and book you want Ecclesiastes chapter two, you can click right on the link and it'll take you right to it. So. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastors. Remember that you can ask your questions each week at the info bar at West Hills. 
or by submitting them online through our website at www.westhillsstl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't yet, and tune in next week for our next episode. Thanks so much for listening.